0: This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank.
1: Hi, this is T.N. Wang, CFO of
0: FastSpring in Santa Barbara, California. You are listening to the CFO Thought Leaders
1: Podcast with Jack Sweeney.
0: This is episode 505. (laughs)
1: There's been roles that I have even applied for and, and went through the interview process, but I could tell just by meeting the team that was going to be a team that I work with that I would not be able to contribute or be a valuable asset to that organization and, and made the decision to pass on it. I think for me, and it kind of goes back to why I chose to be in the industries that I'm in for me i want to be able to be somewhere where i can make a difference and i feel like it's you know enjoyable and i think that's the the big thing you know you don't want to be in a job that you're miserable in for me that's been the driving factor am i going to enjoy it is it something i believe in and can i make a difference
0: Hi, it's Jack Sweeney on today's show we speak to Michelle Naus, CFO of Tri County Mental Health Services a not-for-profit that today delivers services to more than 8,000 people from the Northland the outlying counties north of Kansas City north of the Missouri River a geography that when it comes to health care concerns has everything in common with the rest of America since 1990 There is little question the healthcare professionals at Tri-County have had a positive impact on the lives of many Missourians. So what role does finance leadership play here? Michelle Naus enters the CFO office after the unexpected death of Tri-County's former CFO. She enters the office just as a new federal designation Dramatically alters how Tri County is being paid for its services, and she enters knowing the organization's systems and processes are overdue for a major upgrade. Can a largely regulated, not for profit healthcare organization offer us any insights whatsoever about finance leadership? We'll have today's episode speak for itself. We begin after a few. Short words from our sponsor, who makes every episode possible. CFO Michelle Nels' story begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to Michelle Naus, CFO of Tri-County Mental Health Services, a provider of healthcare services to over 8,000 people annually across the state of Missouri. Michelle, welcome.
1: Hi, nice to meet you and uh, be with you today.
0: And we're pleased once again to be speaking to a not-for-profit CFO. Too often I think we focus on uh, commercial companies and their performance milestones. We want to find out how finance today is empowering this organization to deliver these important services. And Michelle, we're going to begin where we always do, which is to find out about you first, ask you to look back and share some of those experiences you feel prepared you for this finance leadership role. What comes to mind?
1: Definitely, I think one of the most important experiences that I had was um, being an auditor with BKD, um, in um, the fact that we dealt with a lot of small to mid-sized companies, um, they don't ask you to specialize when you first come in. And, and I think when I first came in public accounting, I think I said the words of I don't want healthcare and I don't want nonprofit. I want to work for a big corporate um, conglomerate when I'm done. And so the first audits that I went on that were charities and healthcare organizations, I was hooked. I loved being able to see the entire spectrum of what they did. I was able to quickly be able to dive in, dissect the financials, put them back together, but then really understand what they were doing. And I think that's what drove me into that industry was being able to connect, being able to feel like I could give back to the organizations, and especially in public accounting, you're really problem-solving with your clients because they don't have huge teams of individuals that are working underneath them. And so I was able to, as an auditor, come in and give advice that I felt like, They really took it to heart, and it was things that they could put into play and and work with. And so many times I would be in the middle of a hospital audit kind of on the floor with all the reams of paper because we were not um, electronic at that point. We were still pulling out huge green bar reports and and diving into them and trying to figure out how a transaction had moved through the process and what went wrong and and why we needed to maybe make an adjustment or talk to them about their processes but but I enjoyed that I enjoyed being able to really get down and and work on things and and I think that's why I ended up in the industry I'm in which healthcare is is very interesting industry it's always changing but then on the nonprofit side, really the smaller, mid to small size organizations, you get to do a little bit of everything. And so I really enjoyed that. I think in addition, um, just being able to um, see the uh, see the c- customers, the clients, the patients that come through um, when you're auditing those organizations, you still see the consumers and, and the individuals that they serve. And so you got to see how your audit actually impacted the person walking through the door. And that was very important.
0: Wow. There's a great visual right there. I think too often finance leaders take the elevator. They don't walk through the office. They don't see the customers. Um, They don't have to walk through the waiting room, which uh, really must remind you daily how you're um, impacting lives. Just to think about healthcare services for a moment. We would probably certainly guess that healthcare professionals experience uh, this sort of having an impact. But well, what about finance? Um, there's also an interesting geographic uh, component to your story. Now was this in the, what are you describing? Was this in the greater Kansas City area?
1: So definitely a lot of my, my clients were in the greater Kansas City area, but I also traveled did quite a bit of um, organizations, healthcare organizations in Virginia and then also in, um, Arizona and Iowa. So I would sometimes be um, at a, an audit for several weeks at a time, and so definitely in a different community. And so you you felt like when you left it, you really understood whichever community you were in, you got to know a little bit more about that town, about that community. A lot of our um, clients were that mid-sized clients, so we might not have been in the largest metropolitan area Um, in those states, but we were in a a nice-sized community where you could get to know. You'd go out to dinner, and you actually would run into somebody that you had met during the day doing the audit.
0: Now, your career also uh, sort of intersects the academic world, uh, where you had a stint as the Director of Business and Fiscal Affairs at the University of Kansas Medical Center. Do I have that right?
1: Yes, definitely that role was more on the academic side of healthcare, so dealing with the school of nursing, um dealing with everything from their their budget, their finances, um their clinical operations, but also their recruiting for faculty coming in, um the building that we were in, making sure that building was um operating efficiently, but then also our new ventures. So we, um, at the time that I came in, we worked on a collaborative with the community colleges to give another route of entry for nurses coming into the program because the truth of the matter is in healthcare, especially um, nursing and and NMD programs, there's a limited number of spots. So we have this huge shortage. We all talk about but there's a limited number of, of spots for students to come through because medical education is very expensive to deploy and the tuition that is paid does not cover the cost to do that. So we really worked with like the community colleges to come up with a way to partner with them to where students could still go and get maybe an associate's degree, but then we could provide them the the avenue and the route to become a bachelor's or PhD um Uh, degree nurse in the end through our program that wasn't limited to those number of incoming spots. So even worked on those initiatives. So it was more of a broad scope, um, definitely not the dean or the CEO type role, but really moving more into a COO role.
0: And what did you, while you were there, what did you want to do next? Was there a thought in the back of your head, what was the next role for you? Or were you fairly open to opportunities?
1: Um, I was definitely open to opportunities. But one thing that I missed being there um, was dealing with the um, smaller clinical operations. So the thing with the university is you are really on the academic side or you're really on the clinical side. You feel like you're not seeing that consumer come through the door, that connection to the community, you kind of lose that a little bit in that role. And so I knew looking at a new opportunity that I wanted to be back into the situation where I could see more of what our services were influencing on a daily basis. Um, Also, the university is a governmental and um, very large organization, so in order to affect change, you kind of got to get into a process of committees and everybody um, taking their time to make a decision, which sometimes can be several years before things are done. I wanted to really look for an organization that was a little more nimble, that we could make changes a little quicker and uh, try to be as um, cutting edge as we could and, and provide as much, as many services as we could to the community with the resources that we were given.
0: Were there certain aspects of the finance function uh, that you felt detached from in that role that you wanted to uh, once again uh, sort of control or manage um, or, or no? In fact, it, it gave you the wherewithal to do that.
1: So it it definitely gave me a lot of flexibility um, working at the University of Kansas just because we had different pools of money to pick from and um, different organizations to use. But the one thing that I did look forward to getting back into was having more control on the systems that were being selected um, as far as the policies and processes. So if we were using money from our research institute, we were really under their policies and procedures. We were able to draw down money from that, but we had to comply with their policies and procedures. So we we're a little, I kind of lost that that piece of the puzzle as far as being able to um, help craft the policies, procedures, the processes that we wanted to follow from a bigger scope perspective. But definitely, they were good about bringing in each of their um, schools and each of the, the health organizations that were under the umbrella to get their opinions. It's just you really didn't have a final call on that.
0: I'm, I'm going a little out of order here, but I'm too tempted to ask you uh, about uh, <laughs> your, your, again, going back to your auditing experience. I might rejigger the, uh, the order here because I I have a sense you were at uh, BK. The 10 years, which uh, I would say, okay, she enjoyed this role. This role was obviously played a very formative uh, part in making her uh, uh, a finance professional. Over that period of time, you got to look into so many different businesses and organizations, I have to imagine. In part, it might have been the variety of companies and organizations that you worked alongside of. Uh, that made it interesting work for you? Would you agree or would you tell me otherwise?
1: No, um, definitely I love public accounting. Um, Really never thought I would leave. I thought I would be a partner in public accounting and be set um, in that role. Um, But just opportunities came up and kind of got the bug to see what else was out there. But I think the other thing was you're right. I definitely got to experience many different clients i think that was probably the hardest part in leaving public accounting was that i had grown attached to so many different organizations and and um just uh you know clients that i had worked with over the years and so that was um probably the hardest and and many of them knew that i struggled with with kind of leaving that piece and so i ended up on a lot of their boards for many years, um, I seem to get drawn in on that volunteer board um, route pretty easily. And so sometimes I have to go back and double check and see, you know, how much time do I really have to give to all these organizations? But I think in the end, that's what made coming to Tri-County kind of a, a kind of maybe a thing that should have been because Tri-County was one of my clients. Um actually knew the previous CFO from another organization that I audited, and when she became the CFO here at Tri-County, she called me up and said, hey, we would love to have you as our auditors. Do you want to bid on the audit? And so from 2002 to 2004, before I left BKD, Um, I did the audit here at Tri-County, and so I knew her very well, and I knew the organization, and then she ended up passing away, and so that was actually how I came to come to Tri-County, was I filled her role. I, I took over for her, so it was kind of a coming home in a way. It was the organization I had worked with, knew the person that was here before, had very Um, positive experiences with her and and really kind of felt like this was meant to be in the end.
0: So you arrive and, and the job is yours. The role is yours. You've seen how it was done in the past, but what is the role you now envision for yourself?
1: So coming into Tri-County, we had had a lot, they had had a lot of turmoil. So the CFO had passed away unexpectedly. Um, We had just become a certified community behavioral health clinic, which is a CCBHC clinic. It's a new designation that was in a federal project um, at that point. And so that had happened, which changed how billing occurred and and how we were paid for services. And then I come in, you know, to the role as a new person. So there was a lot of things that were going on. Um, It was kind of the first thing was that I had to at least assess where we were with things, um, find out what... um, needed to be handled first. And first off, we had to have a, our audit completed in two weeks. So <laughs> welcome to the new role. You get to do an audit in two weeks. So we did. We got through that audit. Um, but then it was really, I, I kind of always, when I went into this role, looked at it as, okay, first I need to be an auditor, kind of pull from my background then I know audit, see where we're at, figure out who knows what, who's the best at what they can be. And then it was really, okay, how do we get to the next level? And so what I envisioned was definitely moving us away from a lot of paper processes, a lot of um, backstory information. So that's the struggle I think a lot of accountants and CFOs roll into is that you're reporting on things that happened in the past. And so that's really not information you can use and make strategic decisions from it's information, but it's not real time information. So how do I move us from being a reporting organization to being more proactive and being a a part of decisions that are being made and um, providing information to our programs that are real time. And so that was, a process we started right away looking at what accounting systems are we using, and we ended up changing accounting systems to try to be more proactive in providing information via dashboards and real-time reporting. But then also, how do I change the the mindset of the folks that are in accounting and billing and those areas that report to me to think more of being at the table before the decisions made? being a part of the decision. And so that really was a slow process, but we have gotten to where people do start to talk to us sooner. And we are part of crafting, whether it's a grant application we're asking for, whether it's a new program that we've started. We're just now starting a huge children's program in our school districts in um, Clay County. And um, that has been a big process. It's a brand new program. It's brand new accounting processes, but brand new revenue models. So making sure, and we were at the discussion period in the beginning as we're setting it up. And so we can really be more of a partner, a strategic partner versus a reporting department.
0: Now, it appears that you're either days or months into the job and you've already answered the big question, do we need uh, you know, a process overhaul here? Do we need a, a real upgrade? And so you, you, it sounds like you're of the mindset, absolutely. Uh, but here you are already making some pretty big decisions in terms of um, the options that are available and which path to take. Um, if you make these poorly, uh, it really could complicate things down the road. You, can you give us a sense of where you began here? I mean, where the systems from 10 years earlier or what give us some idea of what what the circumstances were
1: right so our accounting systems were from many years before so 10 plus we actually had an accounting system that was out of support so we were no longer able to get support on it or get any kind of upgrade it was at end of life basically and so we either needed to find a new brand new accounting system or there was, of course, a new generation to what we had that we could upgrade to to a newer um, uh, offering under that same platform. And so really it was starting from scratch because what we had was, was so old that, that there was no... Um, No, uh, keeping that particular system, and and it did not talk to any of our other applications, so it was more of a standalone system. The one good thing was our actual electronic medical record that we have that's um, separate that our client information goes into, um, that system is state-of-the-art, and they had stayed up within the technology on that side. So it wasn't like everything was at a point where it needed to be upgraded. But from an accounting standpoint, everything that accountants and CFOs use did need to be upgraded. So that was uh, definitely our first uh, um, kind of big charge to overcome. The other good thing was that I have a wonderful CEO that I work with, and he is um, really... um, an innovator and is ready to try anything new and had um, given us a green light to spend money, which is always a good thing, to um, get this done. So it was something that he also saw needed to be um, first priority. So having that support coming into the role and kind of um, he's never um, said, hey, you know, you need to step to the background. He um, definitely has always been, a huge proponent of let's do what we need to do to make this a successful organization together. And so um, his name's Tom Patrizio, and he is um, a phenomenal CEO.
0: Now, is there a... uh, Again, I come back to, well, you had to choose a platform. This is not your specialization. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your specialization? You could appreciate the possibilities that those platforms offer, uh, but uh, let's face it, many of them Uh, will tell you that they can do it all. (laughs) What criteria did you use? How did you go about this? This doesn't seem all that easy. And um, I'm curious where for other finance leaders out there trying to understand, well, how how exactly what were the next steps? You got the green light from the CEO, but what are the next steps here?
1: So the good good and bad, so in my career, um, I have always um, been a part of IT in some way, shape, or form. So here in my current role, IT does roll up to me, and that had been the case in the past. So as I um, had been in each of my roles, I had always seen different components of IT. So I think really learning as much as you can about where to go. So Things like Gardner reports really are helpful because you can go out and find out, okay, what is the best uh, mid-sized accounting system, ERP, that's out there, and and what can people tell me about it? Um, Basically, anybody I've ever come into contact with, if they have something they love, I keep their name and number handy because I know there will be a time that I will want to draw on their expertise and find out, hey, you said you went to this new system. What do you think of it? So I I always start with that. I always start with what does the industry tell me? And then what do my friends <laughs> tell me, my acquaintances that I made? But then really it's, you know, trying to make sure that, Either within your organization, you have somebody that's IT savvy that you can draw upon. But if you don't, finding out who should be our partners in this, it's not something you should make a decision on your own. You have to make sure you have people with the right expertise that can jump in and give you their point of view. Um, lucky for me, when I came here, I had done this when I was at the Kaufman Foundation um, several years about 6 7 years previous i had went through a conversion so had some of the knowledge but um definitely it's not it's not an easy process for a cfo if you don't have an it partner whether that's somebody, like I said, internal or external, and then I, I kind of cheat a little bit on that because my husband is an i t person, so <laughs> <laughs> i do I do drive on his knowledge sometimes and get him pulled into my um, my questions and answers probably more than he wants to be.
0: Now, I believe um, your uh, solution also addresses uh, uh, HIPAA, which is a big part of your world. Many of us don't understand all of what uh, you have to address uh, related to it. Can can you share some thinking about that?
1: Yeah. So we did end up going with Sage Intact, and um, part of the reason was that they had HIPAA compliance. So HIPAA is um, that process now when you go to your doctor and they say, hey, we have these privacy policies we need you to sign off on. Everybody now gets the form. I doubt many of us read it in detail, but we have to agree that we're aware that we have HIPAA rights. And so those HIPAA rights really say that whatever healthcare organization you're working with, whether it's mental health, whether it's primary care, that they're going to take certain precautions to make sure individuals don't know the information about you. So that's really important in our world. If we don't have that protection and there's a breach, there is some major fines that are out there that we could be held accountable to. It would damage our reputation. And there are jail fines that can jail time that can go along with it. So it's it's pretty serious for us. Um, you would think in the accounting world you wouldn't run into a huge amount of um, data that would be patient-related because you would think that's in the medical record. But For us, like even just saying, hey, this vendor that we've set up, we have them grouped as a vendor of a patient, and then we make a payment to that person for um, a service that we provided. Maybe it is a um, rental assistance that we're giving them. If that was to get out into the world, they know that, oh, this particular person has a mental health issue, which is a huge stigma to put on that person, and they couldn't make their rent, and now we have this this information that's out there. Is that HIPAA breach? Maybe, maybe not, because it doesn't give a lot of information on their diagnosis, but we want to caution on the side of, yep, that For us, that would feel like a HIPAA breach because they know they're a mental health patient of ours and and we've identified them that way. So for us, making sure that our system has HIPAA compliance measures put into it so that we have a better comfort level of, we've made sure that we've maintained that information because the system we went to is in the cloud. So that's something else that's kind of scary for a lot of organizations. You know, if we put our information out there, who can get to it? So we want to make sure that whatever partner we've um, chosen for our IT needs has made sure that they're concerned as well to make sure that HIPAA information isn't out there. But on top of that, if you're not a HIPAA, you know, organization, making sure that your financial information isn't viewable to other organizations.
0: So how do you measure the organization's performance uh, today? I mean, is there – and I'm I'm curious what those numbers are in a (laughs) – in a traditional commercial business, a CFO might just uh, take a, a look inside the CRM system and gauge uh, engage uh, customer activities in terms of renewals. But what is it that you're looking at? What is it that you turn to?
1: So several things are similar. So for us, just like a for-profit, we look at what is our bottom line, Um, I always tell people not-for-profit is a designation with the IRS, 501c3 designation. It means you're not taxable, but it does not mean that you can't make money. Your money just isn't given to shareholders. It's invested back into your services that you provide. So we still look at that to see what is our reinvestment. So we think of it that way versus profit. What is our reinvestment for next year that we can do? That's always important. We look at days cash on hand because nonprofits, charities, we usually don't have a ton of cash sitting there waiting to be used, as well as our days and accounts receivable. Just like any other healthcare organization, we want to make sure that we're collecting um, any kind of um, payments that are due from our patients themselves, but mostly it's coming from Medicaid or other insurers that we have. But beyond that, kind of unique for our situation, we look at enumerated visits. So what that is, it's our daily visits or our daily um, census and, and duplicated census. So the number of folks that come in and get a visit per day, that drives revenue for us, but it also is what we look at to make sure that we are producing from our um, workforce what we expected and then productivity so our therapists our healthcare providers we do run productivity reports on for each of them and look at okay based on the number of hours that you put in for services what was your return on that how many services were provided and that like any traditional um corporation, that's what you look at to see as somebody underperforming, overperforming. Um, but then also, are we hitting our budget? So those are our real drivers that we look at probably the most um, to make sure that we're meeting our, our goals.
0: When we come back, CFO Michelle Naus shares her finance strategic moment after this. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We like to always ask for a finance strategic moment, and this could have been any time during the course of your career, uh, but it could be at Tri-County as well. And it's just when your lines of sight into the organization allowed you to see an opportunity or a risk, maybe do things differently, whatever it may have been. Um, Does any come to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment?
1: So probably a turning point for me in thinking about finance was when I was at the Kauffman Foundation. I worked with a lot of startups and a lot of entrepreneurs. Basically, we focused mostly in the nonprofit area, but but definitely they had um, some technology corporations that they were looking at. And, you know, I go into a meeting um, with one of the organizations and and I'm all excited to show them the financial statements that I produce for them and what we can do for them as far as helping um, get them off the ground. And their CEO looked at me and he looked at all the numbers and he said, you know, really, it would just help me if you put together a cover sheet and put a happy face if it's a good day (laughs) and a sad face if it's not. And I kind of Death there for a second because <laughs> I'm thinking all this work I just put into this report and all you care about is if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think in the end, kind of what he was saying to me is something that I've taken to heart. And it's basically, you know, the numbers are great and they tell a story that maybe an accountant or a CFO gets. But how do you tell somebody who doesn't either care about all the individual numbers or isn't that isn't their background? How do you tell them? How the company's doing or what to look forward to so it was kind of a flip moment for me so i spent more time when i prepare my reports really thinking about who am i talking with what is their drivers what makes them excited yes i still provide the standard information behind it but i make a cover sheet or a dashboard that explains the story to them in the way that they they care about and what they want to hear about and the other thing it really, you know, kind of gave me that aha moment of is that, okay, we need to spend a lot more time just really as accountants, as CFOs, as business individuals learning the program. So I spend a lot of time sitting with clinicians and looking at their workflow, looking at how um, the business is delivered, how how are we solving the problem for our community that we're working on and then taking that back and saying okay how can finance support what we're seeing out there and that really drives then the conversation of how you're giving them useful information going forward but it was uh it was kind of that smiley face scenario that kind of got me to thinking okay there's there's got to be a different way that that we can present this
0: okay nice nice anadio thank you we're going we're gonna to jump to our mentoring round where I ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and advise future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you today about finance and business?
1: I think the most exciting thing is it's not just in a job where you sit down in front of a computer and look at a bunch of numbers. You're part of a team. You're part of a decision-making leadership group. Whether that's as a staff accountant, whether that's as a leadership role, you're really given the opportunity to be present in the decision making and the business building sectors. I don't think that was always the case, but that's what's made probably my job and kind of where we're headed more exciting.
0: When you arrived there at Tri County and you stepped in and you took on this leadership role, what is that? piece of advice you wish someone had uh, whispered in your ear at that time?
1: Um, I think just, you know, take it one day at a time. I think for me, I always want to come in and get a handle on everything and fix everything right away. I think I'm a fixer personality. And so sometimes I tend to take on more right away versus kind of just stepping in and, and being able to conquer each task as it comes up comes about and kind of not trying to do everything at once
0: now is there uh, this is more of a personal question we ask you about your is there a part of your daily routine or do you have a habit that you believe has contributed in some way to your professional success
1: um you know one thing that key every morning is my coffee. I mean, that's definitely important. But um, my daily routine that I try to do, um, it's hard to maintain. But really, it's when you leave your office for the day to try to clear off your desk and get it to where when you walk in the next time, it's more of a clean view for the day. If you walk in every day to a big pile of papers, it's kind of set your tone for the day it's like my day's a mess my day's going to be bad versus if you come in and it's a clean desk even if the mess is in a pile on the side it kind of sets your mind frame your mindset for the day that you know I can get this done and now we can dig in and get tasks done um, it gets harder you know I think as you get more reliant on technologies and it never really leaves you it's more taking home with you, that kind of thing. But I think once you get even to that point, it's really setting those boundaries and trying your best to to carve out the time that you need to kind of clear your mind, whether it's the visual of the desk or whether it's just the, I'm going to clear myself. I'm not going to touch that email until I'm in there the next day.
0: This isn't on our flow, but I thought I'd just ask this. I'm curious um, mm-hmm. because somehow uh, with your auditing and, and that long as an auditor, along the way you were probably offered a number of different positions that you decided not to opt for or it wasn't a good fit for you. And, um, I'm again, I'm taking something of a guess here, making something of a guess, but um, why? Why? what most often why wasn't something a good fit for someone like yourself who i i think undoubtedly had opportunities uh offered
1: mm-hmm. you know i think i've been lucky in my career in that i haven't had to take a job just to take a job and i think that sometimes a lot of folks do that they're and they're in situation where they have to they you know, need to have employment, they might be in a gap or something like that, and they take a job to take it. I l- luckily have been in the position where I can evaluate what's, what's something that I'm interested in. And normally it comes down to that. If it's not something that I'm passionate about, or I think that I could be a good fit for the organization, to me, it's a disservice to not only myself, because Times valuable, but it's a disservice to the organization. And so there's been roles that I've even applied for and, and went through the interview process, but I could tell just by meeting the team that was going to be a team that I work with that I would not be able to contribute or be a valuable asset to that organization and, and made the decision to pass on it. I think for me, and it kind of goes back to why I chose to be in the industries that I'm in. For me, I want to be able to be somewhere where I can make a difference and I feel like it's, you know, enjoyable. And I think that's the the big thing, you know, you don't want to be in a job that you're miserable in. You want to be somewhere where you enjoy the day cuz most of our day is at work anymore. You know, we we really all put in lots of hours and lots of our time and energy. And so for me, that's been the driving factor. Am I going to enjoy it? Is it something I believe in? And can I make a difference?
0: Okay. We'd like to ask if, if uh, our guests have a book they'd like to recommend. It doesn't have to be a finance book, but anything come to mind for you?
1: So one of the the best books that I read and has kind of stuck with me for a long time. I read it when it first came out years and years ago. Um, very quick read, not um, not difficult to get through, but it's called The Ten Things I Wish I Had Known Before I Went Out into the Real World. And it's by Maria Shriver. And she wrote this book. Um, originally, I think it was a commencement address that she had written to deliver and her um, friends and, and listeners of the address said, you should really turn this into a book. And it really walks through 10 things that, you know, they're so common sense, but she connects them with business um, experiences that she's had and how it, it held, held true. And many of it, I think almost all 10, somebody can relate to in their life. And so it's just it's kind of a simple reminder of, you know what, the basics are important to understand. And if you can understand the basics, really, you can get through anything this difficult.
0: Okay. We're up to our final question where I get to ask you to look forward finally and tell us what your priorities are over the next 12 months.
1: So for Tri-County and myself over the next 12 months, we are really at a point where our um, federal um, demonstration project is ending for CCBHC. There's legislation in the federal government to extend it. But luckily for us, the state of Missouri has also put in a state plan amendment to extend it. So for for us in the next two months, we will find out what our fate is for the next Um, foreseeable future. So will we continue being paid on a PPS or a per visit fee or will we go back to the old way of doing um, our mental health services as far as fee for service? So for us, that's a big deal. That's going to be very strategic for us knowing which way to go. But then Secondly, with that, just continuing from an information technology standpoint, and making sure that we are ready for the next step in healthcare because healthcare continues to change. We have new um, ways to submit information. We have um, new requirements that are put on us daily, and so making sure we're ready for that. But then, in mental health in general, I think we're going to see a huge boom. It, it continues to grow. People i diagnosed every day with uh, different mental health um, issues, substance use issues, and it's a topic that has grown in the media and in society, and I think more awareness of, of when folks are struggling, and I, I think that will mean we need to serve more people and that our services will be um, in more demand and just the need will be growing. So for us, really, it's figuring out how can we do all that and manage it with the funds that we have.
0: Michelle Naus, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to with you today.
0: Hello listeners, do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition views on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.